You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Spotlight. Come here, let me look at you. Spotlight, I want to keep doing Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Mm. And now it's time for our Spotlight mm-hmm. segment, and we have as our guests Jake Bullock and Luke Anderson, who are the founders of CAN, the world's first microdose THC beverage, but way more important than that, they're friends of Americus. Mm, so Americus, yes. yeah. tell us how you know them and what you know about them. You know, I was researching some of the most innovative brands that were out there and I came across these two individuals and they are, are amazing. They have an amazing story. They have an amazing product. The name of the product is Can C-A-N-N. And they'll unpack that for us. Barbara, tell us a little bit about their story. It's very exciting. I hope they'll come back to my classroom in quarter two of this year. I'm asking them on the air live. (laughs) No pressure (laughs) to come back and visit my Wharton students. But it's a fantastic story, Barbara. So please go ahead and uh, Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about who you are and then tell us what your product is and how you got together. Jake, you want to start? Yeah, great. Happy happy to start and and dive in. So we can actually... Met over 10 years ago, we were both um, uh, working at Bain & Company. We actually started on the same day out in San Francisco. Um, and I'd been an investment-making analyst. Luke had been a teacher in TFA. Um, and so we kind of came in with a little bit of like, okay, we, we know how to work. Um, you know, and it, it was not our first job ever. Uh, and then sort of followed each other around the country a little bit. When, when Luke was um, in business school in Boston on Bain's time, I was out there doing private equity investing. And then he came back to California when I was out of business school at um, in, in Northern California. And so, um, you know, we became friends and, and, and had always had this idea from growing up in Colorado and seeing the, the, the cannabis legalization begin there in a recreational sort of adult use way. Um, I was always struck by how these products that were early in the market didn't make sense if you were an adult. They were kind of like gummy candies or, <laughs> or pieces of chocolate. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of us were never going to smoke, right? We kind of were, we were raised in that generation. You don't light things on fire and, and breathe them in. Uh, it's very dangerous. And so we were like, there's got to be something here that feels more adult and, and, and maybe plays off of the existing analogs that we have for other mild intoxicants. Cannabis is a mild intoxicant. We use um, alcohol, caffeine in similar ways, right? We drink them. So we're like, okay, maybe there's something going on here with beverage. More importantly, alcohol, caffeine, we drink them in micro doses. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you can have a few cups of coffee or a few glasses of wine. That's important in terms of the intensity, the potency of that mild intoxicant. And so what we did is we created a product where we brought the dose way, way down. So people that are familiar with cannabis, maybe from a bad experience in college, they had some sort of brownie situation. We're probably doing 10, We all had um, brownie situations. Uh, really? Because I, I, I was in Bible study. I have no idea what you're talking about, Oh, Barbara. I remember those brownie oh, situations. Yeah. Or you know somebody that has. Oh, we right. know someone. Exactly. Right, right, right. Asking for a friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so the idea was, well, what happens if you make it really, really weak? so to speak. Um, and we did that. We, we brought the, two, the, the dosage down to two milligrams, put it in a beverage, and it unlocks this amazing social potential for the product. It, it integrates with alcohol. It's a real alternative for folks like Luke and myself. And, and maybe Luke can share a little bit about his experience, but our hangovers were getting worse. We could not drink the same amount of alcohol in our 30s that we could in our 20s. And, mm-hmm. and that was really the, the idea. Been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Luke, so what's your perspective? Luke, so what's your perspective? Yeah, I thought Jake was a 
an idiot for thinking that having a microdose of THC would be a viable way to cope with an alcohol problem because as somebody who was not a cannabis user, it was very difficult for me to understand how one drug that I had a bad experience with, pot brownie, coughing too hard off a bong rip at the frat house. I, I think there are a lot of different ways that people can have a negative cannabis experience. And I, I had remembered those very bad cannabis experiences as ones that induced a ton of anxiety. And so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I felt like I'm already anxious about how much I'm drinking, the mistakes I'm making while I'm drunk, the mistakes I'm making while I'm hungover, and the lack of productivity that someone experiences on a Monday after a really, really heavy Saturday and a recovery Sunday. Um, <laughs> it, it was a problem I wanted to solve, but mm. it was not something that I felt like an illicit substance could solve. Mm. And so we really kind of put our heads together and developed something that on its surface, it looks like it belongs in Whole Foods. Mm. It tastes like it belongs in Whole Foods. And it has a mildness of an effect that even somebody like me who's afraid of cannabis would accidentally drink a second one of. And I think that, that was the big light bulb for, for folks like me was if you can actually have a non-negative cannabis experience and you can do it by drinking something, then that alcohol substitution pain point, it becomes a lot more realizable. So um, the the product was, was really, I think, the most fun thing to develop. But uh, I think what we ended up really uh, linking arms with Americus uh, about was the way that we marketed the product. He, he, Jake and I are both gay, not together. <laughs> and uh, we marketed the product with a lot of queer authenticity, mm. but in a way that it looked like just good product marketing to uh, a straight person and even maybe a conservative-leaning person who hadn't engaged in queer politics before. So mm. there was something subversive about the product as an alcohol substitute, but even more powerfully, uh, I think, the marketing as a way to help shepherd in a new era of queer social acceptance in business. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Before we get to that, which obviously is super interesting, and uh, Americans, you're going to have to do this whole brand uh, <laughs> unbundling, but if it has THC in it, it's not like some of these CBD things and stuff like that. Does that mean that it's not sold in every state? I mean, do you have legal issues on this, Jake? Yes. We absolutely do. You're right. The THC is kind of the complicating factor there. Interestingly, we can um, get THC two ways. We can get it through marijuana or hemp. They're both versions of the cannabis plant. That dictates the regulations under which we operate oh, in various states. So we can actually sell the hemp-derived versions of our products online in, in about 30 states. Um, and that's been a new sort of part of our business in the last year or so, mm -hmm. really, really growing. In other states, we operate in the dispensary market, which is highly regulated, um, you know, not a ton of these are out there, but, uh, you know, just cannabis dispensary markets, places like California, where we started, um, were for sale in those stores. And then very funnily, and some states have taken even a, a more permissive approach. So Minnesota is the one that's on everybody's mind right now because they're allowing um, up to five milligrams of, of hemp derived wow. THC in food and beverage products to be sold in their liquor stores and bars and restaurants. Wow. So for the very first time over the last 
couple months, we are sold alongside of alcohol, which is important because that's ultimately the choice consumers are making. Is, right. Maybe I won't drink as much tonight. Maybe I'll have this in the cooler along with, you know, canned seltzer, hard seltzer and, and beer and wine. So just because I'm naive about all this, dispensary, does that mean it's being used for medicinal? I mean, are the, is, it, is it that the laws sometimes in some states, laws are the laws are for medicinal purposes, but like I guess New York is recreational. Is that some of the dif- distinctions you're making there? Yeah, exactly. The the cannabis legalization movement really started with medical programs. So a lot of the, the birthplace of, of these policies were, were, were medicinal and in dispensaries. And so a lot of the early states that have legalized for adult use have really carried over that, that approach. You know, highly regulated, a, a small set of licensed dispensaries can sell these products um, for good reason, right? There, there are hundreds of milligrams of THC products out there that, that you really need to make sure are, are highly controlled, just like you would highly control, uh, you know, a prescription uh, pharmaceutical. Um, our product is a little bit different. It, it's always been a mismatch in those dispensaries because it's so low dose at two milligrams of THC. We're talking about it, it really not an impairing uh, amount, at, at least not one can. And so you have to drink a few to really get impaired in the same way that like you know, a glass of wine would. And so because of that, other states have stepped in and really, and Minnesota being one of them, have really taken a look at these lower potency CBD and THC combo products where there's more CBD, less THC, um, and, and created alternative regulatory framework for them to sell in other places in addition to dispensaries. So each state is different, um, and, and, and we, we sort of operate uh, in compliance with, with each state's law. Gotcha. Jake Bullock, Luke Anderson of founders of the product Can C A N N. Uh, question for you, Luke. You know, there's you know there's um, a perception of weed that has a kind of bad stigmatization, a, a baggage associated with it. When I immediately when I think about weed, I think about stoners, and I think about you know this this sort of stigma associated with that. What have the, what have been the things that you've done, Luke, from a marketing perspective? to recreate, re, uh, help consumers reimagine uh, what it is that you're doing and not get stuck on perhaps what they may have misperceived from the past, whether it be bad experiences with brownies like Jake was mentioning or any of this baggage psychologically that they may have in their head with respect to your category. We're really careful to, A, fly at the right altitude when it comes to giving consumers information. We can get deep into cannabinoid science and how quickly you'll be able to feel something through different ingestion mechanisms. But at at its surface, it was really important to just tell people the difference between THC and CBD, which not very many cannabis companies were doing well. And I think is evidenced by people still sort of having that question about the product today. Uh, And then relating it really plainly to the intensity of an alcoholic beverage that is not scary. And then, we can't use paid media in cannabis because there are so many restrictions around how you can advertise. And uh, as a result, we almost by necessity had to partner with celebrities and and other brand partners that had bigger platforms than we did. Mm. And by choosing to cozy up with famous people who did not smell like a stoner, did not look like a stoner. (laughs) There was almost kind of like inception of, Oh, well, Kate Hudson is doing this. So, it can't be like not family friendly. Rebel Wilson is doing this. It, it is something that maybe helps people with a health and wellness journey. Mm-hmm. Um, there are athletes, there are singers, there are YouTube creators. This, this really is something for everybody. And it wasn't that we told everybody this is for everybody. It was that we showed them by, uh, by demonstrating it through 
partnering with, with people they were familiar with, and that didn't remind them of a stoner stigma. Well, so Luke, let me just go back to what you mentioned earlier, given this is Pride Month. How important, you, it yeah. sounded like you thought that was pretty important in building the brand. Day zero, yeah. Super important, I think, uh, and we're seeing this year, sadly, I think, the hot-button issue of supporting the queer community, supporting the trans community, and seeing it result in backlash or questions of inauthenticity has resulted in almost a doubling back of corporate pride efforts. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, that's sad because when people are silent, it doesn't really have a, a positive impact on the queer community. It encourages people to stay entrenched and, and maybe even not reveal their identity. Um, we were lucky that we had understood what it was like to be queer. There's something inherently queer about cannabis, the stigma uh, around stoner culture. It's not that different from stigma around queer culture. Mm. It's just being an other, being something that is, is less easy to understand. And so we saw that natural link between the two things and made sure to just go and make products and, and marketing that supported them that was uh, authentically queer by heroing queer creatives and ensuring that they were involved in driving the decision making every step of the way. There's so many people that just have, uh, or so many companies that have a room full of white people, a room full of, of more corporate marketers, and um, there's this like, how do we pander to the queers while not offending the conservatives mm. that we as queer people just know how to avoid doing and mm. and. In authenticity, you can smell it from a mile away. Right. Yeah. There's nothing more rainbow than when a brand. So, That's Jake, Jake, not, you know, deep and complex in its storytelling. So, Jake, let me go back a little bit to some of the complexity you were talking about. Like, I understand, like New York now made it recreationally legal. I think uh, that seems like a pretty big market. I wonder, and you know, you're talking about the difference in San Francisco versus New York. You're starting to market this and brand it differently, and the regulations are different, and, and the channel you go through, it just sounds to me like an incredibly complicated business world. I, I know some people who started alcohol brands, and that's complicated because yeah. the laws are so different in how you can sell alcohol state by state. But in a product like this, it's, it's not even legal in all the different yeah. states. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine this is a mess. Yeah, but you got to Remember, Barbara, these are Bane guys. Yeah, so, well, yeah. <laughs> they, they know how to solve really complex problems. But what, what is your thought on this, Jake, in terms of all of these complexities that Barbara's mentioning and how you all and have New been, York in particular? I'm you, curious. Uh oh. Yeah. How have you been able to navigate these complexities that Barbara's mentioning, Jake? Yeah, it's, it's been very challenging. I, I, I think the question is spot on. There is a lot of complexity. Um, it, we expect that to continue. You know, I think the, the maybe the, the the real question is like, why, why do you keep? Why do you deal with it? Why do you put up with it? Like, what's the, you know, why why would you even engage this? Because it is a it is a mess in in lots of ways. And and what's been so incredible over the last few years in working with Luke on this brand is seeing consumers, our end drinkers, that mm. want this product so badly to exist. They 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 get mad at us when it's out of stock. They can't find it. They um, you know, we train them to purchase it one way, and then all of a sudden we're changing it because of the way the compliance rules are written in a certain state. Um, and, and, and they continue to just pull this product through a really, really complex web of, of, of regulations and restrictions and um, all sorts of, of impediments. And, and, and that's really what I think keeps us going. That's what keeps it exciting. New York is a perfect example of this. They're, they're trying to do it the right way. They're rolling out adult use and 
and and have a really good set of values. And 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 even in doing that, there are all sorts of new challenges that that have arisen in that market, and um, uh, and how they're going to handle it is is going to be really interesting to see. And it, it definitely you know slowed I think the the potential there at least in the near term. But you know one of the things that we're doing here as a brand is is we're trying to build something that truly can stand up to alcohol and alcohol is so ingrained in our, in our society and our, in our social culture. You know, I think Luke mentioned a little bit on, on, on the pride marketing and us being queer founded company. And like, it's amazing even in the queer community, how toxic alcohol is, right? Like we can't escape it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's worth us fighting this fight. We think because we see the writing on the wall, we see it with, with some of the younger generations that are old enough to drink alcohol. They're choosing not to drink it as much. Um, but that extends all the way through to the oldest person, our, 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 our favorite customers in Palm desert every, every winter. Um, <laughs> there's just so much energy around finding alternatives to alcohol. People are frustrated with their consumption. And so, um, we're going to, you know, whether it's, it's different impediments in New York that are in California that are in Minnesota, we're going to continue to sort of push this rock up the hill because consumers are, are telling us to, and, and hopefully that pays off. Like, we'll see, we need a little bit of help from, from our, our, our friends in elected office and in and, and policymaking positions, but uh, we think it's worth it. Let me reintroduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn here along with Americus Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And we're joined by Jake Bullock and Luke Anderson, who are the founders of CAN, C-A-N-N. And they're talking about their brand, which is um, the world's first microdose THC beverage. And, and you keep referring to alcohol and thinking about that. And I am curious, are you? is it your goal to market it? like an alternative to alcohol mm. in alcohol places like liquor stores and bars, or do you see this as a really different subculture and you're, you know, it's not a substitute for alcohol. It's something completely different. I'm not quite sure. Cause I hear you kind of going back and forth on all of that, where you're standing on that. Jake, do you want to take that first? Yeah. So we, we really do live in this alcohol alternative world. Um, interestingly, our best customers still consume alcohol. And, and Luke and I still do, although a lot less now that products like can exist. What we tend to do is we take somebody that over-indexed, you know, significantly above the average in terms of their alcohol consumption, and we kind of bring them back to average, which I think is pretty healthy. Mm. You sort of play that out over the course of, of someone's lifetime. We're allowing people the choice. So we're, we're very inclusive. Folks will continue to drink, drink alcohol. That's, that's not really what we're, um, you know, we're trying fighting for sobriety. What we're fighting for is the option to make a healthier choice. And that may mean tonight, I'm not having a glass of wine. I'm going to have a can. Or, or it might mean over the weekend, instead of drinking five or 10 drinks of alcohol, I might, you know, have half of that. And that's really, that's wellness for me. That's an important part of, of how we're building this brand is, is being inclusive of all folks and their various choices around alcohol and, and, and where they ultimately land. The end of the day, the goal here um, is really to stand in, not to stand out. We want these products on, on um, behind bars and on menus at restaurants. We want these products at live sporting events and music venues where we think they're really, really uh, well situated to provide a great experience for folks. And so um, part of the effort that we're hopeful we will see in, in the coming years is as there are um, more and more states step in to provide regulations around these, this really the safest versions of products, these low potency beverages, that there'll be opportunities to give consumers options. Um, and maybe they choose, they'll still choose alcohol in, in some cases, mm. and, and that's great. But having that option to, to be a little bit healthier for themselves or be a little bit more well in that moment is, is what we're fighting for. So talk a little bit, Luke, about, because I love what you, you talked about this in my class when you visited us, the fact that you're calling this a social tonic. 
<laughs> Now, I, I love this because I think it creates a category in some senses. Talk a little bit about the logic, Luke, and the psychology behind. And this is related to what Jake was saying. Cre- you know, stand, you know, being a part of this, but being different. It's not optimal distinctiveness in terms of the array of things that people might choose. What are your thoughts on creating that differentiated psychological positioning, Luke? And you know what you've been doing to try to really hammer home and build into that approach that Jake has been mentioning with respect to the strategy here. Yeah, I remember looking through the even before we started the company officially or had raised a dollar. Jake and I were texting back and forth around what to call it categorically, and there was this movement toward health and wellness drinks that were labeled as tonics, and sometimes it was a. Uh, tonic that was a sleep tonic or uh, an immunity tonic. And we liked the idea that a tonic described something that had a health and wellness purpose. And if you actually look at the dictionary definition of it, it's a substance that induces vigor and well-being. Um, And we didn't want to call it something as boring as a sparkling water or (laughs) beverage because it it needed its own sort of moment. Mm. And I Ah. I don't know if we were the first, but we have certainly been one of the earliest to brand a beverage as a social tonic. And what's cool about pairing those two words together is it's this dichotomy of like, it's fun and it's uh, like a, a thing that you consume when you're cutting loose, which seems to be the opposite of health and wellness, but it also is objectively so much healthier than the alternative, which is a poisonous alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. And and so it allows you to just experience both sides of the same coin, even as you're starting to learn how to describe it. So it, it really caught on. It rolls off the tongue nicely. It looked great on the logo. And uh, a lot of a lot of other beverages have really started adopting it. Mm-hmm. I believe it'll probably be a, a category, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. non-alcoholic drinks that do give you a little bit of a real buzz. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's going to be a distinctive category. I think that's a really interesting idea. Jake and Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. And now that you've gotten us all excited about this string, <laughs> we have where, to get canned, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. C-A-N-N. Where can our listeners Damn go? It, go how find do you, it. Yeah, how I'm going to go find slam it? down a six pack and exactly. see <laughs> two million. You know what's two two yeah. two grams? Done. Yeah. Where, where? Tell us where exactly. we can find it. Talk, talk to us. Yeah, the best place uh, to find us is online on our website, which is www.drinktan, with two N's, uh, .com. And you can see the stores that were available for sale across the country and Beautiful. as well as um, uh, the states where we sell online direct to your door. Very, very wow. cool. And at drinkcan is your Twitter handle. Is that correct? What's your Instagram handle? Yeah, at drinkcan for Twitter and Instagram. And very, very cool. Yeah, it's a pretty looking can too. It's, it's, it's a, like I really... just, I, uh, listeners, I wish we were on video because their product marketing, their packaging is absolutely it's fantastic. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's I amazing. I think it come to my visual marketing class for sure. Too. Well, that's all we have time for today. We're here every Wednesday from five to six p.m. and we play, we play our show several times throughout the week. We'd like to thank our producers Dion Simpkins and Dana Cash, and you can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing or at S. XM Business for all information about all our programming. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.